You really don't have life until you lose your life. And that doesn't mean physical death. It means a submission of my will to God. When I am truly coming to God and say, Lord, man, I'm sick and tired of my life. I want you to regenerate my life. To become what you want me to really be like. If you really want to be a disciple of Christ. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Roll Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Happy New Year. We're glad to have you with us for a new series that will help us establish the Lord as the center of our hearts and lives in the days to come. As Roll reflects on Peter's bold declaration of faith in Jesus, you'll be encouraged to evaluate your own response to Christ. Stay with us to see that a life of true discipleship starts with complete submission to Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Let's join Raul Reese now for the lesson, The Cost of Discipleship. Matthew chapter 16. Let me give you a little bit of background to the chapter because I think it's of a real importance for us to understand as believers. He's going to be talking to believers and what Jesus is doing is he's on his way to Jerusalem. And already he's been planning and sharing with his disciples that he's going to Jerusalem. And when he gets there, he is going to die. But somehow, they don't seem to understand what he's saying. Now, Jesus had rebuked the Pharisees and the scribes in chapter 16, in the first part of the chapter, because they wanted a sign. They were always looking for wonders and signs to be demonstrated to them. And yet they had the greatest sign and that was the word of God. And so Jesus goes on to tell them that they will receive a sign. And the sign would be the sign of the resurrection. As Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. So would the son of man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And so every time he would give to them the word of God. Not only would they would listen, but at the same time, they would reject it through unbelief. I believe that there are people today that have an ear to hear, but at the same time, the Word of God doesn't penetrate the heart of men. And so if the Word of God is not penetrating my heart, then the Word of God cannot change my heart. We have to be open to the Holy Spirit for a change. And this is what Christ was not only trying to do with the Pharisees and the scribes, but even with his own disciples. The word disciple means literally one who is a follower of Christ. One that has submitted his life to him. Now what qualifies me as a disciple of Jesus Christ? John chapter 3 verses 5 through 11 tells us that you must be born again of the Holy Spirit. There is no possible way that anyone not being born again of the Holy Spirit cannot be a disciple. But if you are born again of the Holy Spirit, then there are changes that will take place in your life. You cannot remain the same person. Otherwise you're not a disciple. There's no way. 
He turned to the disciples, but he turned personally to one disciple by the name of Peter. And he said, Peter, I want you to answer me a few questions. And Jesus said this to him. He said, Peter, who do people say that I am the Son of Man? And of course, Peter standing there and walking with the Lord for almost three and a half years, he turned to him and he said, well, Lord, this is what I hear. Some are saying you're John the Baptist. Others are saying you're Elijah. Then others are saying you're Jeremiah the prophet. And then others are saying you're one of many prophets. Or one of the other prophets. Now when he heard that, Jesus immediately turned to Peter. And he told Peter, Peter, I don't care what anybody else is saying. I don't care what's on the grapevine. What I want to know is, who do you say that I am? Not what Jesus does, and which he always does do, is he deals with you and with me personally. It doesn't matter what your parents think or believe. Who do you think Christ is? Who do you say Christ is? Every person individually has to believe. You have to come to a true conclusion on who Christ is. Because there are many people that say a lot of things about Jesus Christ. They'll say that he's one of many gods. He's a good teacher. He was a prophet only. He was not God. And yet when Christ heard this, he turned to Peter and he said this. Simon Peter, he says, I don't care about anybody else. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. You see? Now he begins to deal with truth. And what's really amazing is when Peter actually reveals the nature of Christ. It is a supernatural divine revelation from God given to him by the Father to make confession to the Son. But listen to what Jesus said to Peter there in verse uh, 17. And then Jesus replied and said, Blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. A supernatural revelation. And I want to tell you, Peter, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not, notice, overcome it. And when you look at the, what Jesus is saying here, he's not saying, Peter, you're going to be the first pope. And you're going to build my church. He's not saying that. The church that he's referring to here are people, a living organism of people that are regenerated by the Holy Spirit that become Christians or believers in the kingdom of God. Just like we've done here this morning. And then as Peter is standing there and Jesus is teaching this whole thing on the church. Then he says in verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What does he mean by that? The keys speak of authority. Now what he's saying here is that Peter has the authority. Like you, like me. You don't have to be a priest or a pastor or a pope. 
You have the power and authority when you pray. To do what? To bind the powers of Satan. That's what he's talking about. We must understand this. You don't have to have somebody special pray for Satan to be bound. You can do that yourself if you're a believer. That's the authority that God has given to each one of us individually. To loose and to bind the authorities and the powers of darkness. That's what Jesus is teaching here. So when Peter heard that, notice then he warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Why? He wanted to keep it secretly so that people would be what? Willing to accept him. What? For he is the son of God. So as the Lord continues to teach, then he's predicting. Here is Peter. He's made a supernatural revelation. And just like guys, you know, we can be spiritual. And how many times we're so spiritual that we fall down to our flesh immediately? Watch what he says in verse 21. And from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day. He will rise again from the dead, notice, unto life. And then Peter took him outside and began to rebuke the Lord. Can you imagine Peter rebuking the Lord? Not recognizing or being or having discernment that the Lord here is talking about something real. And yet Peter thinks that he knows better than the Lord. And what did the Lord tell him? Notice. He goes on verse 22. As he took him and rebuked him. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. said, never Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you Lord. Because I am Peter and I will fight for you. Because I am Samurai Peter. Verse 23, and then Jesus turned and said to Peter, and I can just see the Lord, oh, Peter, man, I can't believe you. He wasn't even mad. <laughs> but this is what the Lord tells Peter. Again, here it is. Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, he's not calling Peter Satan. He knows that the powers working through the life of Peter is who? Satan. And the Lord is rebuking Satan. Why? Because Satan has been trying to sift Peter out. Just like Satan has tried and tried and will continue to try to sift every one of you out of the kingdom of God. We have the power to bind and to lose the powers of Satan. And so here he says, get thee behind me, Satan. He says, you are a stumbling block to me. He says, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter, you're using only what? Common sense. You're not thinking divinely. You're not allowing the Holy Spirit to control your thinking. You went back to natural thinking. You see, and anytime you and I deal with a natural mind, and we don't deal with the supernatural, as God is trying to do something in our lives, we're going to be like Peter. We're going to fail the Lord. And we're going to think we can defend the Lord. But yet, there's a lesson here to be learned. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. We're here to support and equip you as you journey through this next year with the Lord. 
Visit us at somebodylovesyou.com or call us at 800-634-9165 for an array of scripture-rich resources, including this entire discipleship series. Let's continue now with the final part of our study, The Cost of Discipleship. Look at verse 24. Here it comes now. And this is the lesson for us this morning. The cost of discipleship. How important is discipleship? Very important in the kingdom of God. Especially in the days that we are living today in. Beginning with verse 24 he says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What we see here in verses 24 through 26 He said, now the Lord gets them aside and now He's going to teach them what it is to be a true disciple of Christ. And before you become a disciple of Christ or a learner, you must what? You must count the cost. You must count the cost. Are you willing to count the cost for commitment to the Lord? There has to be commitment. There has to be submission. There has to be discipline. There has to be obedience in my life. And so many times I feel that as believers, we don't take our commitment with God seriously. Seriously. The requirements that have been given to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ are high. The standards. And yet it seems that we look at the world's standards higher than God's standards. And that should never be so. Because the first thing that the Lord does here in verse 24, we have the first thing, the call to discipleship. Everyone's call, but not everyone comes to the calling. Why? Because the first thing is you got to have desire. Desire to be a disciple of Christ. If you don't have that driving desire in your heart to be a disciple, you will never be one of Christ. And that desire comes to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As we read the scriptures, as we pray, as we fellowship. Look what else he says in verse 24, because this is where it begins. If anyone will come after me, he must deny himself. And that desire is a desire to do what? A desire to denial. Denial of self. That's the only way you can become a a disciple of Christ. You cannot be first. Your wife, your husband, your children, your mother, your father, your job, education, or your money cannot be first. God has to be first, number one. That's why Jesus here, even Matthew 6.33 said what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Christ has to be first. And it's so neat because in the calling of God, if anyone comes after me, he must deny himself. He must deny himself. And it's kind of neat because when you talk about denying, it means about forgetting about one's thoughts, one's desires, one whatever you desire to have for yourself, hey, it has to be gone. It has to be God's desires. He's controlling the situation. He's in control of my life as I am fully submitted to His will. 
That's what he desires here. That's the call and the requirements of God. Look what else he says. Not only deny himself, but secondly, you need to take up his cross. And the sign of the cross was a sign of capital punishment. Only criminals were hung on crosses. They were crucified. And Christ was never a criminal. But yet the symbolism of the cross that Jesus is talking about here, if you really deny yourself, then when you empty of yourself, then you're willing to do what? To take the cross and to die for Christ. Then you're willing to follow Him. You're willing to do whatever He desires for you to do. Nothing will hold you back. Remember what Jesus said? Father, whatever your will may be, if you want me to go to the cross, I will go. Let thy will be what? First, I will do whatever you want me to do. And what did Jesus do? He submitted through obedience to the cross. That's what you and I have to do. If you really want to be a disciple of Christ. Total submission of myself, my desires, my attitudes... Everything that I possess, everything that I have within me belongs to the Lord. That's the only way I can become effective as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And of course, in that third thing, he says, what? Follow me. Then I can follow. You cannot follow when you don't deny yourself. You cannot follow completely, fully, unless you truly have denied yourself and taken up your cross For Christ. Judas never did it. That's why he was not a disciple of Christ. He went out and he denied the Lord. And he sold the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. $20. He sold his soul. Imagine that. And we're going to get that in a moment. But look at the second point here in verse 25. The cost now of discipleship. The call of discipleship. Now the cost of discipleship. And notice verse 25, what he says. He says, For whosoever wants to save his life. What is everybody always trying to do? Save their lives. You see? Everybody's always trying to save their life in this life. Yet he says, And whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for me will find it. You see? You really don't have life until you lose your life. And that doesn't mean physical death. It means a submission of my will to God. When I am truly coming to God and say, Lord, man, I'm sick and tired of my life. I want you to regenerate my life. To become what you want me to really be like. Total submission. Of my ego. My life, everything that I have, Lord, it is yours. Why? Because there are people that only live for today and not for tomorrow. And that's going to perish. It's going to be gone one day. So we need to learn how to lose our lives so that we can gain life in this world. And then the third one is pretty heavy. Look at verse 26. The value now of discipleship. This is pretty heavy. He says this. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet 
lose or forfeits his soul. I mean, what are you going to gain if you have all the money in the world and every pleasurable thing, and yet at the end lose your soul? You got to think about that. Is it worth it? The reason I say that is because we are selfish people. You see? Those things that are important to us are probably not important to God. We should put the main thing with the main thing. We have to examine our hearts before the Lord. Because there are people that have a price on their souls. Understand that. People have a price. When the right price comes along, guess what? We sell out completely. That's what he's trying to teach us here. Look what he says again in verse 26. He says, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, but yet loses or forfeits his own soul? And that word forfeit there means to, to actually the loss of true life through deception and fraud in the Greek. He says, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What is your price? What are you going to give for your soul? To become a rock star? To become a professional basketball, baseball, football player? When you know what God has really called you to do? Or to become a high financial man? You know what God calls you to do. And the first thing is the first thing what? To seek ye first the kingdom of God. Because there are a lot of people, man, when they're growing up, they're in the church and they're hearing the word of God. But somehow they deviate it from the truth and they get sidetracked. And they start putting other things of more important. And they sell out to their education. They sell out to their business. They sell out to their marriage. They sell out to all kinds of things. And God is not even on the burner. He's way in the back. And what does that mean? It means you sold out. The thing that dominates your life today is your king. Remember that. Whatever dominates you today, that's what you worship. That's your God. And it costs you your soul, the Bible says. Jesus Christ has to be the main thing. In everything that we say and everything that we do. That's why it's so important, young people, when you, before you get married, make sure, man, that that woman or that man have Christ in their lives first. Because if they don't, if you think that you're going to get married and they're going to put Christ in their lives, you're crazy. It doesn't work like that. It happens to some people, but it doesn't work that way. Christ has to be first in both people. And when husband and wife, or boyfriend or girlfriend, or single parent, has Christ number one in their life, then everything else of less value. Why? Because I know that God is in my life. And He's directing me, and He's leading me, and He's guiding me, and He's providing for me, because I am putting Him first in my life. I trust Him with my whole life. Why? Because He's my priority. I'm totally sold out to Him. Then you're going to do what? You're going to gain your soul eternally. Otherwise, you will lose it. In this season of setting goals and establishing fresh priorities for the coming year, we hope today's lesson has motivated you to make your relationship with Jesus the cornerstone of your daily life. 
You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to hear today's message in its complete form, just call us at 800-634-9165. And for a donation of $5 or more, we'll send you a copy of The Cost of Discipleship. We'd also like to tell you about Raul's entire discipleship series. Available on either CD or an MP3 thumb drive, the 12-lesson study we're currently airing provides an in-depth look at Jesus' instructions for following Him in fruitful obedience. You'll see that there's no greater reward than to fully surrender your earthly life with an eye on eternity. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 to order Rawls 12-part discipleship series. We'll send your CD collection for a gift of $23 or the USB drive for $18. Our number once again is 800-634-9165. Or you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We also invite you to take advantage of all of our many free resources. For more Bible-based teaching, look for us on iTunes and Spotify to download podcasts of any of these programs. Our app provides a variety of connections to the Bible as well, with live-streamed teaching, digital Bible studies, and much more. Plus, you can join Rolf for Straight Talk on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. And email him with your Bible questions at PastorRoll at SomebodyLovesYou.com. Don't forget, this is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your generous partnership. Your tax-deductible gifts help us continue in our mission. It's a blessing to study the Word of God with you, and we invite you to join us next time as we continue our focus on true discipleship. You'll find out how the Lord can work through ordinary circumstances in your life to spread the good news of the gospel. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.